Well, I will apologize to Mark for springing that on him at the last minute. You've seen, seen a little bit of how the sausage gets made each week. Uh, usually during the week, I put together the, the framework of the slides that we'll be showing, and I work on what I want to say and what I want to show to everyone. And then usually toward the last of the week, we get the songs figured out, and I go back and put the songs in the PowerPoint. Well, all fine and good as long as that makes it onto the little thumb drive uh, that I bring in to put on the computer. And when I copied it off this morning, I got the earlier version. So I think the sermon slides are probably fine, but unfortunately, I appreciate Mark's uh, patience there. We don't have the songs on it. So the number for the invitation song is which one? Is 356. 356 when we get to the end of the presentation today. So sorry about that. Uh, but I will start off again. Good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Good morning. It's good to see everybody again. Good to have you here. Uh, and good to have everybody here. We're so glad to have visitors. So glad to have uh, smiling faces. I hope you continue to smile at me. If you start frowning in the middle of this, uh, it can affect my uh, ability to speak coherently and make sense. You say, well, people must already be frowning at me. Maybe so. <laughs> this morning, we're talking about judge not. Judge not. That's one of the probably more commonly known phrases that Jesus says. And when you say something to someone sometimes about, well, you might not really should be doing that, many times they'll throw that back in the face. Judge not. Well, so my question this morning is, what does it mean? Is it an absolute prohibition against judging? If so, we ought to try to get hold of Metro and we can cut loose all the judges in town because we shouldn't be judging anything on anybody. Well, I really suspect it's not simply this one verse that Jesus wants us to remember. I want to look at the verses around this from Luke chapter 6 that Jeff read to get a better feeling for what Jesus really means about judge not, that you not be judged. Because I think we're going to potentially need to pay a lot of attention to ourselves rather than looking at other people. So take a look with me. He starts off, Jesus does here in Luke 6, verse 37. He says, don't judge others and you will not be judged. Don't accuse others of being guilty and you will not be accused of being guilty. Forgive and you will be forgiven. So as I say, many times this is viewed as some sort of absolute prohibition against judging Jesus doesn't leave us with just this one verse. He continues with an illustration that I think is very, very helpful to show what he meant, to show what he meant. So what did he really mean? Well, why does he tell us not to judge? Let's see. Continuing on, he says, when you notice the little piece of dust in your friend's eye, but you don't notice the big piece of wood in your own eye, why are you bothering with this tiny little eyelash, as it were, in somebody's eye when you've got a big old piece of wood in your own eye? How can you say to your friend, friend, let me get that little piece of dust out of your eye when you can't even see the big piece of wood in your own eye? So here's what we're talking about. Imagine a doctor. Uh, right? I have come to remove the tiny speck of dust. If your eye doctor comes in that way, I would run away. Right? Run away. Let me get that speck out of your eye. Especially if you look, as he leans forward, what's going to happen? You see how rugged and sharp the end of that piece of wood is? He's not going to be helping your eye at all. Or this way, right? Dude, I think I got something in my eye. Hey, don't worry. I'll help get it out. That's what Jesus said. And just like some of you laughed a moment ago, 
Jesus used humor to actually make his points and to help people remember them. And so if we have a congregation, if we have a way that we worship God where you can't have any humor must be left at the door, we're not doing what Jesus did. Humor is very powerful to communicate things. And so the idea of some you know, person walking around with this big old pole out of their eye and they're moving around and they're going to tell you how to get that eyelash, that tiny speck out of your eye, is crazy. It's crazy. How are you going to do that? If somebody says that to you, it's got a big plank in their eye or a big log in their eye, and they want to get the speck out of your eye, Jesus says, first, it's like, hello, first, take the wood out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the dust out of your friend's eye. So what's Jesus talking about here? Woodworking? Is that really what he's doing? Is he trying to suggest how we get out in our garage or outside and work on stuff and all that kind of thing? No. I want to tell you, when we encounter something in our daily lives, often we will grumble to others instead of knowing ourselves. We'll often look for a way to change the focus off of ourselves. We tend to blame and complain, pointing out what others have done to wrong us, causing us trouble. Woe is me. This wouldn't have happened if... That's a very common human thing that we all will do. Go back to Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. If you think you can judge others, Paul says, you're wrong. When you judge them, you're really judging yourself guilty because you do the same things they do. God judges those who do does wrong things, and we know that his judging is right. You judge those who do wrong, but you do wrong yourselves. Do you think you'll be able to escape the judgment of God? Tell someone not to steal, are you stealing? Tell someone not to lie, are you lying? Tell someone you really shouldn't get angry like that and you do it in an angry way. It's a dangerous thing when we start judging others because as Paul says here, as Jesus said here, we often have a big old log sticking out of our own eye when we go messing into the eyes of others. The question really is not so much whether we steal or whether we lie, but we're all sinful. We're all sinful. Jesus is reminding us that far too often we tolerate sin in our own lives over the sin in other people's lives. I can see your faults a lot easier, and they're a lot easier to point out that you've got a problem, that you've got a problem, because I'm trying to make you change, and that doesn't bring the attention on me. You see what Jesus' main point really is here? The person going around with the log is trying to fix some relatively tiny flaw that you have while ignoring the fact that they've got this big old plank sticking out of their own eye. Tell me if that's not how many people go through their lives. I wonder if many people point out problems in other people because they don't want to look at themselves. Jesus had a way of saying things like that, which are uncomfortable. We turn a blind eye to our own failures. It's pretty easy to see faults in other people. That's called hypocrisy. It's play acting. It's pretending to be Abraham Lincoln when you're not. Right? I should not be trying to look at you and say, you need to fix these two things here, brother, until I have looked at myself 
See what I need to adjust, what I need to get right. As Jesus said, take that log out of your eye and then you're going to be in a much better position. What's the problem? Very difficult to get the logs out of our eyes, the specks out of our eyes, which Jesus says we need to do before we go messing around in the lives of other people. And this whole point of hypocrisy, play acting, God really, really hates that. We talked this morning. Brett brought it up. Jesus, in talking to the scribes and Pharisees, said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you're pretending to serve God. You're pretending to love God. You're pretending you are in a righteous situation when, in fact, you haven't even examined yourself at all. He says, First, take the wood out of your own eye, then you'll be able to clearly see to take the dust out of your friend's eye. It is important to know. Got to remember, however, God does want us to be involved in the lives of others, to help them come out of sin, but you cannot, cannot do that while you've got this sin sticking out of your own eye. Now, if you take Jesus exactly, completely, 100% literally here, what would happen is none of us would ever judge anybody else because none of us are ever, ever sin-free. There's a difference, however, between following after God and making mistakes and trying to live for him the way he wants, generally living a fairly righteous life and being a hypocrite to where we're busy pointing out the flaws that other people have so that I won't have to worry about my own. It's hard to see that sometimes, but it's all up here. It's all up here. And there, I still like that little picture there. I mean, look at the size of that plank of wood out of the other person's eye. And Jesus is like, you don't even know it's there. That's part, an illustration, if you will, of Jesus's humor. But I got a few suggestions for us. How can we avoid judging others when in fact we ought to be pretty much judging ourselves? Four suggestions. Ask the Lord to search your heart. Before you go judging somebody else, Ask the Lord to judge your heart. Look at Psalm 139, 23. The psalmist says, Examine me, O God, and know my mind. Test me and discover my thoughts. And if we ask God to do that, I would suggest hopefully that will force us to do that. Am I really going and trying to straighten out your life from the proper motive, from the proper love and care and concern for you, or... Am I upset about something and the best way that I don't have to deal with it is to go interfere in the lives of other people. That's the way a lot of people judge. And that's really what Jesus is talking about. So I would suggest pray and ask the Lord to see unconfessed sin in your own life before you go and start messing around in the lives of other people. What do I have a problem with God? How do I become closer to the kind of person you want me to be? Help me not have a blind spot in my own life. And then when you say, oh, I hadn't even really been paying attention to this or this in my life, confess it to God. Confessing our sins to God is something we really should be doing on a daily basis. If you're not praying to God every day, it's tough to confess your sins to God. And many, many, many times in the Bible, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That's biblical language. But when it's just you and God, 
get specific. Get specific. Think about what you've done. Examine yourself, as the psalmist says here in Psalm 139. God does it every day. We should do it every day. Ask the Lord to search your heart to become aware of problems that maybe we are overlooking. In the second place, make two columns on a piece of paper. This one will be harder because it's going to require actively going through things that we have a problem with. Make two columns on a piece of paper. On the first column, write my sinful ways. I told you it wasn't going to be easy. Anybody here really want to write that down? No. Nobody here wants to write that kind of thing down, but it's a good exercise to do. Do it when you're by yourself if you want. God's always with you, but do it when you're by yourself. Write my sinful ways are on the second column, right? what God wants me to do about it. Suppose my sinful ways were lying, not telling the truth. What does God want me to do about it? Speak the truth in love. Remember that all liars have a part in the lake of fire. The book of Revelation tells us God is love. God is truth. God who cannot lie. God doesn't want me to be telling things that aren't true. So what God would want me to do about that would be to repent, tell the truth, do not lie or make things up. That's what we ought to do. That's my challenge to all of us. Do that about whatever is on your list for my sinful ways. And we all struggle with something. Maybe there's going to be somebody here that will have a blank piece of paper in that first column. My sinful ways, oh, I, 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 I'm too perfect. You know, whatever. I mean, no, none of us are going to have a column or a piece of paper that has blank there. I think we'll benefit if we do this. How do you know what God wants us to do about these things? Just look through God's Word. Search through God's Word. Look at the index in the back. If you if you have a smartphone or a computer, Google it. How do I? What does the Bible say about? Jealousy. What does the Bible say about, you know, stealing? Whatever it may be, look and see what it says and then write out verses that address that problem that we're having. Lamentations 3. We don't quote from Lamentations very often. 3, 40 and 41. Let us examine and see what we have done and then return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hands and pray from our hearts to the God in heaven. If we focus on the problems we have that we don't really want to look at, that we often ignore because we can get busy trying to look for specks in the eyes of other people, examine, see what we have done, and then return to the Lord. Work on getting our house in order. Work on getting our problems addressed. Being aware of our problems is a good first step and then repent and turn back to God. Suggestion three, similar to the first one, confess your sins and repentance to God. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to God, he will keep his promise and do what is right. He will forgive our sins and purify us from all wrongdoing. If we confess our sins to God. If I'm living my life and I'm doing things that just aren't what God would want me to be doing, 
but I don't confess my sins to God. I just kind of keep going day by day. Well, kind of messed that one up. That doesn't count, I don't think, in anybody's book or anything I find in the Bible is confessing my sins to God. It would need to be a prayer to God. God, I have a problem I don't want to keep having. Be specific. Don't hold back. You don't have to be verbal. It doesn't have to come out of your mouth. It needs to be at least up here. And that can be done anytime, anywhere, as we are communicating to God, whose door, as it were, is always open. Number four, pray that the Lord will help you break sinful patterns or areas in your life. That's what repentance is all about. Turning back from the way I have been heading toward God. God's power living within us is the only hope any of us have of becoming the type of people God wants us to be. God wants me not to be living doing the things I want to do, but to be develop, developing the kinds of qualities that are described in the fruit of the Spirit that we talked about last year, or what's often called that ladder of faith we talked about from Peter just a few weeks ago. Add to your faith virtue, moral excellence, all these different things that's how he wants me to live. Compare that to how I am living. I'm sure there's going to be a gap. There's a gap for me. What do we do about that? Well, that's uncomfortable, so I'm going to go look for specs in the eyes of brothers and sisters. That's a whole lot easier than addressing a shortcoming I have myself. Look at Joel chapter 2, verse 13 from the Old Testament. Come back to the Lord your God. He is kind and full of mercy. He is patient and keeps his promises. Look at this. He is always ready to forgive and not punish if, if we confess our sins to him. Oh, he's going to punish people who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel. Paul says that in Thessalonians. But he is a God who is quick to forgive his children when they turn back to him. Jesus actually said that judgment is coming. He is the judge who is coming at some point. And he said the words, he says this in John 12, the words I have spoken will judge everyone in the last day. What did he say? Do not judge. Take the beam out of your own eye. He said, love your enemies. He said, be merciful. He said, all these different things, that's the standard, if you will, against which we're going to be judged. Members of his family, we will have Jesus' righteousness in place of our own failings. What a wonderful thought that is but I can't do that with a big old log sticking out of my eye. So what do I conclude from this? If I judge harshly, God will judge me, and that's not going to be a good thing. And it, you ever been judged harshly? Let's stop for a moment. You ever had somebody that just jumped all over you about something and it seemed like it was relatively small? You ever had somebody that's not been looking at specs but accusing you of having a log in your eye? It doesn't feel very good, does it? If I'm going around 
pulling out specks or if I'm going around looking for logs in other people's eyes, if I'm judging harshly, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. I think this is real important. If I want to be forgiven, and I do, I need to be willing to forgive other people. That's especially important if you're living in the same house because you're around these people all the time. It gets real easy to bump into each other with elbows or to cause you know, bruises or scrapes or problems. To be annoyed because this person's not behaving the way I would want them to behave, even if it's not sinful behavior. It can be difficult to be forgiving, to be kind to those we are closest to. This is a bit more ominous. If I don't address the sin in my life, God will. He will. What does God want me to do with the sin that's in my life? Know it's there. Understand it doesn't need to stay there. It can't stay there. And to repent. Remember, that's the military term. It's an about face. It's a turn around, quit walking away from me, God would say, and turn back and start walking toward me. Leave behind the things that are on my list of unaddressed sin on that piece of paper. Turn away from them. Now, is that going to be easy? No, it's not. But every journey has that first step. Every journey has that first step. In this case, first step for the rest of our lives of headed back to God. If you're a member of God's family already, that involves coming and asking for forgiveness, asking the, your brothers and sisters to take your name before God in prayer. You can do that yourself if it's public or if you just want people to know, I want to live better, help me. Then when we sing this invitation song in a few minutes, that's your opportunity to come. Everybody could come forward. And ask for that same prayer because we all need prayer. But if that's how we can help you, that will be your time here in just a couple of minutes. If you're not a member of God's family, remember, if I don't address the sin in my life, God will. And that's a horrible, horrible thought to be going through every day and potentially facing because if you're not a member of God's family, then Jesus is not going to be your Savior. He's not who you have lost your life to live for. So in that case, you need to understand who Jesus was and what he did. And he died to pay the price for all the sinful choices that all of us have made. You need to know that I need to turn away from my sin, repent, and that I need to die to myself through the illustration of being buried in baptism where God will forgive your sins as you are raised up to walk as a, and live as a brand new person. That's what this invitation song is all about. Jesus is tenderly calling. Will you take that first step back to him today as we stand and sing?